I will call to order the special meeting of council for May the 31st, 2019. Uh, there are three items on the agenda. Uh, can you read them off for us? Item one being a briefing on wildfire reception uh, center support. Item two being fire department support to wildfire operations. And item three being planning for potential emergency situations. Okay, I uh, called this meeting uh, partly, uh, well, I'd like to ensure that we have, we have quite a bit of communications out there, which is one reason why we, uh, have our communication officer autoimmune here so that we can, uh, I think communications in the next few weeks will be critical in terms whether we have to go into a, uh, an incident command operation uh, scenario or even just handling some of the rumors that are spreading here, there, and everywhere. In fact, I heard one rumor the other day uh, from the public work, the, the source of the public works department in northern Sunrise County. They said the town of Peace River was was on evac alert. And uh, so I had to, that was incorrect. So I think uh, we'll like to call this, uh, to have this meeting A, to find, uh, inform people what the risk is, uh, and not just counselors, but the general public, as and Autumn uh, mentioned that she's going to send out an audio recording of this meeting and uh, what we need to do to support our emergency personnel should uh, should the non-acuant fire uh, break through uh, either break through manning or run around manning and what the uh, what the strategic plan is to uh, stop that from getting to peace river so uh, I'll, uh, I'll let you take over from here, Mr. McQuaid. Thank you, Your Worship. Uh, so we mentioned uh, we're here to talk about three items today. The Wildfire Receptions uh, Center of Support, uh, and Wing Director Bell will be able to join us shortly on this one as well. Uh, the Fire Department Support to Wildfire Operations and the Planning for Potential Emergency uh, Situations. <clears throat> so I'm going to be presenting uh, information on two levels, one on a provincial level and uh, secondly on a more local level. So first of all, just to, to recap the current situation, so evacuation orders are in place for the town of High Level, Denita, First Nation, and parts of Mackenzie County south of High Level. Approximately 5,500 people have been evacuated and a total of 4,828 registered evacuees as of 1800 hours on the 29th of May. So the Provincial Emergency Social Services is coordinating support to reception centers throughout the province and ESS supports for evacuated individuals, of which our reception center is one of those. Uh, the Community and Social Services coordinating the distribution of emergency funds for impacted individuals, and the reception center is also coordinating uh, distribution of food vouchers and arranging accommodations. <coughs> so
Uh, as of today, so the reception centers are currently located at Slave Lake, High Prairie, Peace River, La Crete, Grand Prairie, Fort Moyne, and Danny Wellness Center, which uh, are currently full. And uh, Director Bell will speak a little more about uh, the operational hours of each of those. So just to give you an idea of how many uh, evacuees uh, are being put through each of these reception centers, uh, there you can see that Fort Vermillion's about 1,300, Grand Prairie by 840, High Prairie is 100, La Crete is 1,600, uh, Peace River uh, about 700 right now, uh, Slave Lake about 1,500, and Calling Lake about 3,700. So there again, the total register is approaching 10,000 people. And that is as of the 29th of May, so it doesn't capture uh, this morning's uh, evacuations from Trout Lake. And, uh, so what would happen to the evacuees in Slave Lake? So right now, they're staying put as is, creating evacuation plans for the reception center as needed. So until they actually have to move, that's when they will. But at this point, they're just staying put. Just staying in slightly. Yeah. So just to give you a snapshot of uh, on the emergency fund side, dispersed to date uh, is approaching 6.2 million uh, for e-transfers and debit cards that have been issued throughout the province. And that does not include any the funding that uh, covers uh, food vouchers and accommodations, which uh, I think Director Powell can speak to uh, and Director Town can speak to a little uh, a little later, and I'll give you locally what that is entailing. So, on the Wildfire Center's support for communications, and maybe I'll get Miss Hume just to kind of run through uh, her part on the communications. Sure. run through the list I've got so far. Our focus has primarily been uh, keeping Peace River residents, staff, council informed of reception center activities, keeping evacuees in the area informed of recreation and food options, managing media inquiries as they come in, uh, ensuring physical copies of up-to-date information are available at the reception centers. That's, that's some heading for this. Yeah. Yeah. So on the media front, uh, it's been a much busier week week and a half than we typically get. Uh, we've had inquiries from CBC National News, CTV National News, Global Edmonton, the High Level Echo Pioneer, Grimshaw and Manning Mile Zero Banner Post, the Star Edmonton, APTN, and Edmonton Journal. With uh, CBC and Global, no actual interviews were done. Global, I believe, is in town getting some B-roll footage um, and to do a satellite relay. Uh, CBC had an interview lined up and then decided to go with an interview from an evacuee at Slave Lake. 
Locally, um, I've been in regular contact with the Rucker Gazette, Smoky River Express, um, Today FM out of Grand Prairie, Everything Grand Prairie, uh, Big Country, Trending 55 locally, and Q99. They've been receiving fairly regular updates from us and haven't actually made any inquiries. Regarding staff, council, and residents, uh, we've been doing daily updates that are published on, after the reception center closes at the end of the day. Those updates are published on our website and social media. They're emailed to all staff and council as well, so everyone's on the same page. Um, we've also been sharing information regarding the smoke that's poured into town, resources on where people can go if they're having trouble um, breathing or where they can go to check out the smoke forecast to see what the next couple of days will hold. On updates for evacuees, we've been maintaining an information page on our website with a link on the main page. Um, all the updates that are posted on social media are posted there. As community events and meals are confirmed and announced, they're shared on our social media. I'm also printing copies and supplying them physically at the uh, reception center. It's a good point of contact because most evacuees will come in at least on a every other day cycle, so it's a great place to relay information to them. Um, and that would include updating them on the wildfire status. Everything for me. So to talk about, uh, I'm going to turn at this point over to Director Bell, and she'll talk about the current local situation and support levels. give council an overview of what we've been doing for the last two weeks not quite two weeks um, it's been rather intensive and um, all-consuming for a, a majority of your staff myself included I've been at the site every day since uh, Monday May 21st actually and I think I might have my date wrong I think it's the 20th Monday May 20th We've lost track of the days of the week. Um, we were activated by the province directly as per the proper protocol and process at about 11.30 the evening of Monday, Victoria Day um, for full activation beginning on Tuesday morning. We have been operational out of the ski hill um, providing a reception center approximately 9 to 5, 9 to 6 daily with fluctuating hours depending on services that were being provided by other agencies and requests from uh, the pro province specifically. <clears throat> um, this does not reflect your staffing hours. Director Town has an initial, and this is just a very preliminary statistical uh, bits of information of the amount of staff time that we've put towards the operations since we've started, and he'll present those slightly later. Yeah, I noticed that you have the museum staff down there, so they're making history rather That's than just... Right. Aren't we all? We have drawn from every department and every division. Okay. Um, everybody has stepped up tremendously and has been, has been doing well. Um, some of the things that we offer out of the reception center, because a lot of people don't know what we do and what is the role of a reception center. Um, we are a conduit uh, for the evacuees that are coming into the community looking for um, either connection to food 
or lodging and or both depending on their situation. So our first step is to register the evacuee, ensuring they are from a mandatory evacuation area. That is step one. Uh, and then we assess their needs, asking what they require in terms of shelter, uh, food, and potentially other services, whether it's uh, personal services, uh, mental health, medical supports, um, and the like. We have other agencies on site, which has been um, a, a tremendous support. Uh, initially, we thought, I'm not sure we needed certain levels of support, but over as the days progressed, um, the needs have changed and um, so has the services on site. Um, our first week, we had public health nurses and other healthcare staff and or healthcare staff, whether they were RNs or um, whomever AHS provided to us, and they were able to link evacuees with pharmacy, uh, medical needs, trying to keep people out of the hospital system because our local hospital is is pretty near capacity. Apparently, there's a baby boom going on right at the same time uh, as of existing, you know, local disasters. So, um, mental health services is also in sight. Uh, originally, for the first five days, this hasn't been as much of a need. Um, the last couple of days, it has proven to be much more of a need as we have evacuees that have had some loss. Some personal homes have been lost, or family members that have lost their home, specifically in the Paddle Prairie community. Um, other government agencies, we've had the government of Alberta with their financial support program. We're in for four days, providing um, linkage for people to come in, whether they could do the program online or their application process online. If they couldn't do that, they came in person. Um, and we provided uh, supports to them while they were on site. Service Canada is also there providing information on insurance and employment insurance information. We have a lot of individuals who are um, out of work currently um, and now have no financial income during this process of evacuation, so they're assisting with that. We have lots of ins insurance, of, insurance Bureau of Canada information for residents um, there's lots of information at the facility around what do I do with my fridge when I get home. Um, it's been unplugged for days, weeks, with that kind of situation. We have other uh, agencies such as the Dene Ta First Nation. We have a liaison for the Bushy River members of that uh, First Nation. Métis Nation has been in and we've had some good connections through um, our AHS Indigenous um, liaison position out of the hospital to the Paddle Prairie settlement and supports for that community and those members of that community specifically. And then additional supports on a case-by-case -case basis. Um, if you can think it up, I'm sure it's been addressed or has been brought forward by evacuees, all sorts of things. Somebody didn't have a walker, we found them a walker. Somebody needed um, personal hygiene items, we can provide those to them. Uh, we also provide transportation assistance to uh, evacuees from their hotels to the reception center or from the hotel to a pharmacy. Some of the basic services or basic needs. That me dinging over there, Tim? Yeah. So I used to ignore my phone when it would ding. Now it's become a twitch that... Um, so you, you uh, mentioned daily food vouchers, so... Yes. So, you, so how many people have you registered uh, how many people have you registered today? Uh, today we're upwards of uh, 700, over 700 
So Amer Ameren, the hotel rooms in around Peace River and Correct. Peace River and Grimshaw. So when you talk about daily food vouchers, do they have to come <coughs> every day to the reception no. center? So we're on a two-day cycle. So we verify rooms and food vouchers every two days. We're contemplating as this progresses, maybe moving to a three-day process. Okay. Um, but it, the town of Peace River is taking the financial um, immediate risk on anything that we do with the intent of um, reimbursement through the province at whatever point this is all wrapped up. So we're thinking through the risk management aspect financially and also what is good for the evacuees. Um, having them come in regularly also gives us an opportunity to touch base with them. How are they doing? And we've had a fluctuation of change um, with certain communities, so it's actually been very advantageous. And they also connect with mental health and Alberta Health Services regularly when they are coming and popping in. And they're in for 15, 20 minutes. We renew their information, make sure they still need a hotel room, uh, still need food, whatever their situation is, or if their circumstances have changed. This way we know who is still here because we have a lot of evacuees that will come, stay with us with a, for a period of time, and maybe move on to other, uh, other evacuation centers or family or friends or, you know, they can't handle the smoke, so maybe they're gonna move further south in the province. So that helps us to keep uh, connected to the evacuees also. Um, I wanted to bring up just a little bit around the staffing structure and some of the supports that the Tampa Peace River has received so through our neighboring municipalities and uh, volunteers in the community. I'm reception center manager and I've managed to suck back in a previous employee <laughs> as my alternate um, as she's trained up to my same level so she's been uh, vital in helping us get things set up and keep it running. Um, gives me a half day off here and there, which has been kind of nice. I'm trying to aim for a full day off maybe next week. That would be great. Um, Autumn continues to provide all of our communications and she has been invaluable in helping us to get messaging out and uh, messaging to the community and to keep staff uh, in, in the know. We have a number of reception sector supervisors, so while I'm busy trapped in the back office doing provincial reports, they're out on the floor assisting the other staff in their duties, whether it's registration or lodging, fielding questions, dealing with uh, questions, interesting situations that um, no training can set you up for, you just figure it out as you go. Logistics is managed, um, incredibly well by Ms. Caitlin uh, Martineau and Joe Zepp. They both are um, spelling each other off. They are runners, as it were, or the fancy term under the ICS model is logistics. And they keep us fed, watered, um, get me post-it notes when I run out of them and pencils when people steal them all from me and you know all the basic needs that we keep the center operating with. The main uh, services under food lodging, registration, inquiry, and personal services are then filled by a myriad of the rest of your staff within the town. And, ah, crap a doodle. <laughs> <laughs> They've been great, absolutely beyond exception. Anything we've asked, they've been there. When I'm texting them at 2 a.m. to come help me set up tables, they are there. They've been great. 
absolutely great. I'm proud of each and every one of them, and, and even the ones that haven't been directly involved, they've been keeping the office open, which is as important, because our office upstairs was not open the first week we were engaged in this, so um, we appreciate everything everybody has done. Um, We've engaged volunteers in the community and we've been rather selective at this point. We are dealing with a lot of uh, sensitive information, uh, personal, people's personal information, um, evacuees with uh, confidential sensitive situations. So we're engaging volunteers that we're aware of, that we know of. Um, Lorraine is, if you go swimming at the pool in the mornings, she's, chances are she's screening you and you don't even know it. Um, so we've uh, engaged a number of retired uh, principals, teachers, health care providers, individuals we know have had criminal record checks in their past lives, in their current lives. So we're engaging those individuals to assist us on site. And again, great response from the community. Um, as mentioned earlier, we're over 700. When I left, we had an additional 20 registrants and two vehicles were pulling up with about six people each. So I'm sure there'll be more by the end of the day. We're getting a sort of a, a constant trickle of new evacuees in, some moving from other centers, some brand new, or uh, we had a fellow that was up in La Crete from high level. No, Hay River, sorry. He was at the Hay River Reception Center and made his way up through BC and back down to Peace River because um, he thought he'd just be up in Hay River just for a few days and that was a week and a half ago. So he made his way back down. And um, the CNRL bridge burnt down so I thought he'd better get to Peace River. I, I think so. Oh, and I, I missed and I really need to mention this. Northern Sunrise County has been wonderful in their support of their staff. These are some of my co-workers at my level who have a similar level of training or new training and this is giving them a great opportunity to really um, be immersed in the the how-to's and learning how to do it next time on their own so we'll go and help them next time but so, they've been very so you, you mentioned you have six individuals coming as of when you were yeah. leaving the building yeah uh, I was under the impression all the hotel rooms are so that's been an ebb and flow on a daily basis on Tuesday or Wednesday, again, unfortunately, I, I lose track of the days of the week. We were full. There was not a hotel room. It was Wednesday. There was not a hotel room, and unfortunately, that was just at the alert for the uh, mandatory evacuation of the area north of the town of Manning and the county of Northern Lights. In the end, there was only about 12 people that needed housing, um, and we passed on a couple of those folks to High Prairie. Only two families ended up actually registering in High Prairie. So it looks like a lot of other folks found um, some other accommodation in that situation. That night we were full. However, with the powwow postponing, that opened up within a half an hour, 37 rooms Thursday morning. Um, we still have approximately 40 uh, plus rooms available as of 4.30 when I, um, when I was doing up a report for the province here today at about that time. So we do have capacity to take more evacuees. And I'm in communications regularly with a number of our uh, alert areas that are constantly wanting to know where we are at for our capacity if they are in the need of needing to send people to us at any time. So 
we're keeping on top of that with some of the, the key individuals in other communities that are still in alert mode. Although 40 is not a lot to play with. No, it's not. Um, and they fill quickly because we're not the only ones booking. So you have other people in alert situations in other communities that um, maybe they're okay in Manning right now as an individual, but the smoke is starting to bother them and they need to move out. But maybe they can't make it all the way south, so they stop in part way. So someone could be booking rooms and we're going to lose a few here and there. But um, having powwow postpone has really opened up a lot of rooms for us. It's a huge help, uh, sort of a blessing in disguise. Well, you know what's a blessing in disguise is that DMI, uh, well, DMI slash Mercer moved their shutdown, to which July. Is, well, to uh, uh, September. Oh, October. September, even better, because that was one of the first questions we asked the hotels was, you know, do you have any major bookings coming up? Because that, our first week was get people into a room. Once we were getting closer to the end of the week and we were seeing that this is extending potentially for weeks and weeks, um, we've been asking hotels how far can they extend out and we are good till the end of next week at all of our current bookings. So that's another good piece of good news. But this is going to last more than a week, so uh, do we... Yeah. So do you have any, any do you, in terms of rooms and being able to hold on to them and hold on to uh, being able to provide a safe, a safe harbor here in Peace River for these evacuees? Uh, will we be able to hang on to 700 people? Yeah. It, with our hotel rooms, the hotels have been extremely good at managing our needs in comparison to some of their existing client or um, booking needs. Uh, most of the hotels are fairly available right now, just circumstances, construction-wise. Um, those people who were working and maybe using the hotels are also off, so it's working out in our favor. So we should be okay for the next couple of weeks. If we get into a position where it becomes a problem, then we'll develop another plan. We don't have a group lodging option in Peace River, though. We don't have a large enough facility uh, available. We the current arena is literally shrouded in asbestos abatement right now, and our new facility would not be ready for occupancy. So, yeah, and I don't think people want to be sleeping in a car with... They do not. And if it becomes a problem, they, this is... Um, some of the other components of what I do on a daily basis is I'm in regular contact uh, with our provincial operations center, specifically a division called the Provincial Emergency Social Services. Um, these are the folks that I work directly with for every single reception center that's operational in the province. We're on a regular teleconference, 10 a.m. every single morning, every single morning. Um, and this is what we discuss. What are our capacity, how many evacuees, who's got rooms, who doesn't have rooms, yeah, can more folks be shuffled to High Prairie or do we need to uh, start looking, or do they need to, the pest, would start looking at other communities and opening up additional reception centers elsewhere. But your your plan only extends out two weeks, so you... Yeah. You, uh, Which is a hell of a lot longer than the first week we started. Right. <laughs> but, and, and maybe that's where I'm going with this. So, uh, 
but we can see this lasting for longer than two weeks. So do we have yeah. a sketched out strategy, at least if, if not on a piece of paper at the back of your mind? Or yeah, the, the strategy is to continue doing what we're doing. The only thing that we might look at needing to change is if um, our local uh, businesses aren't able to maintain, um, and one of them is in the audience, and I appreciate him being here. Um, they've been extremely used, helpful and accommodating IGA co-op. Um, we're looking at some of the other grocery stores for our food voucher system because that's who we're utilizing right now. We chose sort of the co-op IGA off the start because they had also a food service option within the store. So it gives people some good options of if they don't have a fridge or a microwave in their room, they can go to the deli at the IGA and, and pick up a full meal or a salad or whatever their options are or pick up some groceries. Um, we're offering water. 38,000 bottles of them. Um, <laughs> they were supposed to send me 20,000 and when we did a count. Um, yeah, but hey, everybody's getting a case or two of 40 bottles each and they're very happy. Three or four. Um, so the plan is to continue. We are obligated to maintain the services for the evacuees that we have to date. If we get into a crunch, that's the role of PEST to help support us and provide us additional supports if we need them. And that could be everything from bringing in a, a non-government agency, an NGO, to help uh, support us with food services or setting up group lodging if we were to use one of our neighboring communities for group lodging. So they would help support us in that process. Would this be a good time to do the Canada population census? Yes. It wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, here? Oh, on here. Which um, local stores? So was it Friesen's, you said? Or, and which other one? Co-op. Uh, Friesen, um, Friesen Brothers and Co-op. We're also, we've got uh, uh, food vouchers for McDonald's, Tim Hortons. I'm missing one. Subway. Subway. Um, and, and each of these stores has also provided a donation with uh, our purchase of cards, which we appreciate and will be publicly noting. Um, we're moving into some gift cards or food voucher cards for No Frills and Walmart now as we're getting more and more evacuees, sort of spreading it out a little bit more. I don't think I've missed any. I think that's where we're at right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so just a uh, uh, little bit more on um, sort of how long, as you had mentioned, Your Worship, uh, we will be open as long as the province requires us to be. Um, I'd like to think of this as we've sort of been officially seconded. Um, and when I say that, I mean it. It's my role and my work. I think I've replied to about a half a dozen non reception center emails just because they were critical and um, but that has been the bulk of my work. I'm hoping next week uh, as we get into a, a much better cycle and we have a nine to five schedule, um, staff are back into their work uh, lives but we'll be at the center maybe one or two days a week, myself included. Um, but I have some obligations to the province and the past uh, daily reporting twice a day. Uh, teleconferences, 
Um, there's a lot of back and forth between us uh, around what's going on. If we need advice, assistance, uh, they've been excellent in supporting us and responding very quickly. Um, and I think I've already mentioned sort of what we've been doing on a ba daily basis. Um, it, the mornings are extremely busy. The afternoons tend to be a lot quieter. People come in in the morning to renew their food and their lodging. Um, but the new evacuees sort of peter in throughout the day and if anything we find we'll have a lull at about three to four and then it picks up right at the end before we're closing up and I think that's people moving from community to community or new evacuees making their way down or maybe plan A didn't pan out so they're coming to us at the end of the day. Um, yeah, that's... So um, I, I do need to ask a question, so how long can we keep this up? Um, we definitely and have I wants the backup plan as, uh, as the resources burn up. The backup plan will be asking the province to activate another center um, or another community or to bring in additional community members from um, other municipalities. Again, I'm in contact with a lot of my co-workers and other municipalities that I know have similar training to myself and some of my staff. Um, some of them are already talking about being sort of our backup uh, when we're um, done <laughs> and need a, a bit of a break. Um, but with our new schedule of a 9 to 5 schedule, that has normalized things for staff a little bit better. Um, and we're trying to make sure everyone gets at least a minimum of one day off, upwards of two. Oh, um, in terms of recreational activities, um, a number of businesses have sponsored all sorts of great activities for evacuees. We're also offering uh, free swimming to all evacuees at any time. So they just come during the regular schedule and they uh, can go to the pool for free. Um, but there's all sorts of free movies, meals, we've had a meal, free meals scheduled in the community consistently for over seven or eight days. That's waning a little bit, but it's starting to pick up again and we've got new sponsors looking at uh, what they could do to help out by offering a free meal or a free activity, especially with the <coughs> smoke. We have lots of folks going out and enjoying the parks and the free water park, that kind of thing. But um, we're looking for more indoor activities because it will be boredom that will be a real kicker <coughs> for folks the longer this goes. Well, if the province buys every kid a skateboard park, we have it open uh, 24 great. hours a day. Yes. So. Yes. Well, yeah. Um, if I haven't noted it enough, <laughs> um, with being sort of within this role for the last two weeks and my staff and our office being closed last week, we, we got it back open this week, but we are anticipating there will be some impacts to our service levels and productivity. Um, we want to make council aware of that. Park seems to be running along. They've uh, Brian's been doing a good job keeping that going. His staff are focusing uh, their efforts there. But it's more of our um, community services, programming and services that's kind of taking a bit of a hit because we've had to step away from that and focus our energies here. I'm not sure what that will look like of exactly what might fall off the table as it were, but I just wanted to pre-warn you that there, there will be a few things that will get missed and I'll discover it after I get back into the office, uh, probably a couple weeks after that too. Um, 
just wanted to put that out there a little bit. Uh, questions from counselors? Keep up the good work. Thank you. Um, are you willing to take questions from the, from the gallery? Sure. Is there anyone in the gallery have questions? Um, okay. Okay, carry on, Mr. McQuig. <coughs> Thank you, Worship. Uh, so next, uh, we want to just uh, kind of discuss with Council some fire department support during wildfire operations. And I'll be having uh, Chief Harris uh, speak to a lot of this. So just to uh, talk about uh, some of the current si situation provincially, so there are no new starts in the the Peace River Forest area yet today, allowing wildfire fighters to focus their full efforts on patrols and fires we already have burning in the area. Uh, numerous resources, including crews and aircraft and heavy equipment groups, have been placed throughout the area on standby and at the, at the ready to quick action on new wildfire starts. Uh, there have been about 70 wildfires in the Peace River Forest area this fire season. And each of these wildfires have now been extinguished, with the exception of three of them. Uh, fire bans, fire bans uh, remain in place across most of northern central Alberta, and including the, the restriction on use of recreational off-highway vehicles is prohibited on all public lands. So at this point, I'll just going to give this over to Chief Harris. So as uh, Dr. McQuaid mentioned, fire bans are in place. I put a full uh, fire ban in force for the town of Peace River on May 20th, um, as the situation was ramping up, and that's when it started ramping up in high level. Uh, so some of the support we have provided um, since that date, uh, so Captain Mike Frayne attended the high level uh, to work in the ECC as a situation unit leader. And that was as part of the Northwest All Hazardous, Hazardous Incident Management Team that has been developed in the Northwest region to go in and assist municipalities with running the EEC. Um, and that team was actually in place until earlier this week when the Canadian Task Force, Task Force 2 team took over from uh, Strathcona County. Um, because of the the heightened danger levels here at the same time, basically the same level of fire danger here that it was in high level. We didn't deploy any firefighting resources from here. Uh, we kept all our resources here for any local incidents that may start. And high uh, the chief in high level was quite accepting of that. They never asked us for anything, knowing the situation was just as bad here. Um, so Captain Frank returned from high level um, last week we can go today um, and then since the beginning of this week we've had crews a cruise from the county northern ice fire departments Webberville and Dixonville as well as from Peace River um, deployed to Manning to the Battle <coughs> River complex fire um, and they have been involved with structural protection so they're not fighting the wildland fire they are doing structural protection which includes doing assessments of properties to determine if they're savable or not from a, from a fire going through. So there's a, a 
kind of factors they look at to see whether it's, it's worth trying to save a property. It depends on the the materials that the residents are made from, the level of uh, vegetation around the properties, that kind of thing. So they do assessments and then they're marked whether they're um, defensible with some actioning. They don't need any actioning, they're totally fire smarted already, or there's no chance of saving them if a fire goes through. This is not in the town of Manning, this is in the residences a little bit closer to the fire. It's in the Nonacuan area, okay. northwest of Manning. Uh, and there's so on the the Vital Creek complex fire on the eastern flank of that, the southeastern flank is the one that's closest to any residences. So that is the flank of the fire that the forestry has been uh, working on to build guard in place, and it's those residences where they did the structural protection assessment. Um, the County of Northern Lights did purchase a couple of years ago a structural protection trailer, which is a trailer full of sprinklers and hoses and pumps. Um, and they've been using, so our guys have been using that and actually putting sprinklers on properties um, with a pump and a water source. So basically it's set up, so they turn the pump on, it, it basically sprays water like uh, your, uh, water in your lawn um, with the rotating head sprinklers and basically soaks down the area and soaks down the roof of the house. So if the fire did come through or any embers were landing, the uh, extinguish just makes a wet area around. Um, once that's done, then they also are patrolling those residences, checking for any embers and any spot fires that have started. So usually what caused the uh, <coughs> properties to be lost um, is not the water <coughs> fire coming through, it is the embers that are landing Head of the fire uh, that will land in, in um, dry material uh, which will then catch on fire. And, and if that's right against the house, such as in the eaves troughs, under decks, that kind of thing, then that's where the fire starts and starts the house on fire. And that was mainly the case in the Slave Lake uh, with, uh, with the added 100 kilometer hour winds, which took it off. Um, so that's the kind of support we've been providing up to date. Currently, uh, we are still providing that support to that complex. Um, again, crews made up of Peace River and County Normalized members. Uh, for instance, today we have eight crew up there, four from Peace River, four from Weatherville and Dixonville. And um, our trucks we are sending up is our, our RAV units, our wildland units, supported by a tender unit for water supply. So there's two teams of that up there right now. Um, all along, I've always balanced what I release um, to the fires with what I need to keep in town for any incidents in town. Um, the same reasoning, I didn't send it to high level. Uh, sent it to Manning, and they're only an hour away, so there is uh, a quicker response if to get them back to assist. So my main priority is the town, and under the agreement with the county and all the lights, it's the southern half of the county. Um, so I always look at that protection first before I release resources. So what commitments do you have to the town of Manning specifically? Would that be in the southern half of CNL? Yeah, so my area of, uh, that I'm kind of responsible for is, is, is south of Manning. I believe it's Township uh, 880. Um, so I've, I don't even have any authority or jurisdiction north of that. So the town of Manning is a responsibility of the Manning Fire Department. 
they have an agreement with the County of Northern Lights for protection in the county in, in that area as well. In the very northern part of the, the county is also there's an agreement with high level for some protection there. Although I'm sure the high level crews are all buttoned up in high level. So some of that because there was such a large resource deployment to high level, there was like 17 sprinkler trailer units and 40 fire trucks and 150 structural firefighters. As high levels uh, risk is decreasing, it's not totally clear yet, but as it's decreasing, I, some of those units have been have gone back to their base stations. I think some have been deployed to uh, the Pago Prairie area because that is the most critical uh, losses right now for, for structures. Um, so the original deployment to a high level was from fire departments in further south from us that were not in the high risk um, conditions that we were in. And uh, yeah, I understand that uh, you're trying to balance the people, although some of those, a lot of those people are volunteer firefighters, so they're working their regular jobs and then if they get some time off then they run up there and uh, fight the fire and I know you don't have control over that but uh, certainly we if we need those resources at some time I don't I, I don't want these people to have basically decision fatigue and then when we get them and burnt out uh, mentally and, and uh, yeah, that, that just puts us in a, in a vulnerable so I am I am rotating the crews yeah. and the crew they don't they're not staying overnight. Okay. They are going up in the morning, coming back at night. Okay. Um, so I'm sending different people. I'm trying to keep some people there for the continuity and the familiarity with the locations of the sprinklers and yeah. the situation. Uh, we're working under the structural protection branch of the uh, the organizational chart set up. We are working for forestry. Okay. Um, out of the forestry base, um, which is currently being run by uh, British Columbia firefighters. There's about 300 of those in that area. Um, the County of Northern Lights has uh, enacted their ECC due to the evacuations of the residents in, in that northern half of the community. So basically from just north of Manning up to the high level, uh, to the Mackenzie County border, as a in evacuate. So what level of readiness would the town of Manning have that are, are there enough? Um, I can't speak to to that. I, I don't know what level they are prepared to. And are they operating under forestry or are they essentially an independent autonomous? They wouldn't be operating independently. Speech. It's such um, Again, the current fire situation, forestry is the organization responsible for that fire and everything revolving around that fire, whereas the ECC for the county of Northern Lights is dealing with the evacuations of their people. Okay. Um, and then they would be communicating you know, with our reception center and that kind of thing. So if Manning, uh, which I think is on evacuation alert, um, they, and I, so I can't speak to what their level of readiness is. I would assume that they would have set up their ECC and have some uh, back in place. Um, so you're basically telling me uh, towns and some, e even in these critical situations, are work as an independent unit. 
Yes and no. So in the past, uh, this was the case with the Fort McMurray fire, and there was no communication or coordination between forestry and municipal officials. Now, a lot has changed in the government level of uh, organizations. So the high-level fire, and this was the first time it's happened, there was a unified command consisting of forestry, the town of High Level, and Mackenzie County. So that was then the communication and coordination of all the resources dealing with the fire very close to a major urban center was effective, and it worked very effectively. And, and probably the, the views of that situation will show that a lot of things work very well together for how it should be. So that unified command was actually dissolved um, earlier this week or during this week. So forestry has moved out from the ECC in the town and to their base camp and set up their incident command post, and they're still dealing with the fire. The ECC in high level is still active, and it's a unified command between high level and Mackenzie County. And a lot of what they're dealing with now is the preparations for reentry, as well as just trying that. So there is so the town and municipality and forestry will work together when that situation is affecting the vote, but when there's a separation. So when Manning is, is, uh, is out of, is in the clear for this fire, then it would be a separated at that point. Okay, so there'll come a point where it, that Nodakian fire, and I guess I'm really trying to translate that into a possible situation here in future. So if, if as that Nodakian fire would approach the town of Manning, somebody will make the decision that there needs to be a unified command and who makes that decision? Well, in a unified command situation, it's basically you've got basically uh, two incident commanders working together in that, in that situation and that becomes a unified command. So but somebody needs to tell them they need to be a unified command. Yeah, so. it'll be you know a discussion between those two entities, right? And then they jointly enter into a unified command structure. Well, I'm, and then I'm hoping that somebody will be a little more authoritative, and so we don't have egos playing. I would think that would be something mandated by a provincial government um, who are fully involved. So you, you, but you don't know who that. What that, who that individual slash position is. So um, ultimately, it would be the the executive director, the the EMA. Okay. Um, so you take that along along with the the fire commissioner, because this that uh, disparity and with the command and, and communications, this is the the issues in the yeah. past. So yeah. a lot of the discussion has gone on at that level, that top government level is how. We do this better. So, um, the steps that have been taken, as it shows that it works in a high level, that will be pushed. Yeah, and somebody yeah. needs to make that decision. So, I can very well see see the forest fires fighting service going, we have this and under control. There's been a change of attitude in, in, in forestry um, in the past. Um, and likewise, uh, you can get. Uh, pretty uh, egotistical uh, people on our side of the, the yeah. fence as well, not wanting to be in the unified command. Yeah, but uh, so 
the unified command and, and one command situation is the best way of, of allocating resources rather than two competing entities fighting over the same equipment. Okay. So looking uh, to the longer term, um, I'm hoping uh, for a gradual demobilization the demobilization of our crews at the Battle River Complex as uh, more resources are brought in from further afield, um, which is great to have, and there are structure protection units coming from, from further afield. Um, for the very reasons you were talking about earlier, is, is I cannot commit my guys to that length of uh, deployment. Um, and, and a lot of really what happens is dependent on on what happens with that fire. Uh, if you know if it gets close to Manning or gets into Manning, then you know, we would be more involved with structural protection in the town itself. Well, and again, as long as there's no risk or no event happening in, in, in Peace Room. Right now, there is no event anywhere near here that has any risk for the town, except for the uh, air quality, the only and the reception center is the only. Well, maybe you could, uh, I don't know how much more you've got here, but um, I'm certainly interested in, is there a overall strategic plan should the uh, not a queue and fire uh, either, God forbid, uh, run through Manning or do an end run around Manning? Um, a, your, your professional assessment of risk. Um, yeah, I understand that uh, there's a big white zone there. We should be able to defend the white zone a lot easier than um, a, a, a forest like uh, that, a forest such as the one that envelops uh, high level. Um, so we're probably in a better situation. Uh, but such as, but uh, that, that chuck egg fire, uh, it ran 30, it grew uh, enormously, I think just a day ago, or maybe it was two days ago, and ran 30 kilometers south, and that's why we, we've lost 14 homes in Battle Prairie. So these things can uh, run out of control pretty quickly. So uh, let's say it does break around, break around uh, Manning. Well, is there a, a strategic, at least a sketch of a strategic plan on how we handle that, where the fire breaks, where would, where would we create the fire breaks? Because you have some responsibilities to the County of Northern Lights and some of the larger, um, let's call them suburbs for lack of a better word, Dixonville, the Hamlet of, Hamlet of Dixonville, uh, Weberville would be on the road between us and and Manning. Um, you know, where, do you, do you have an idea of where you would build some of the fire breaks? Certainly, one that, uh, for instance, would Mercer Pulp be be a key fire break area where you concentrate resources. And how, how many resources would we try and push out there ahead of the? ahead of the town of Peace River, or would we try to contain them here in uh, sort of 
keep most of the resources here in, in the town of Peace River and, and set up structural uh, protection. Lots of questions there. You can answer in whatever order you want. I guess the, the first thing that's important to understand is just the delineation between our uh, fire department and what they get involved in in the firefighting operations as opposed to uh, the wildfire protection group under forestry. And when it comes to things like developing fire breaks and that, that is more the realm of forestry to, to get involved in to those type of operations as opposed to our firefighters who are more structural protection specialists. Well, Mr. McQuaig, uh, if there's a unified command, I, I'd like to think that we're part of that command. And, and if we need to, if, if and, and our people are here on the ground, uh, they're pretty familiar with the ground, and if our people have a good sense of where those fire breaks need to be built, uh, the forestry needs to take some uh, take some heed of that and, and take our no local knowledge into account here. And and we we also need to know where they're and and so. But what you're telling me is we don't know what forestry is doing. So are there people in forestry that are thinking of the worst case scenario and perhaps looking at where these fire breaks need to be? I'd hate to think that, oh, we're just focused in on high level and manning and we'll figure, we'll figure, uh, we'll model our way out of this problem uh, when we get to that. To, the, to that problem. I'd like to think with the resources we have that, like the province has, that they've done a little more uh, thinking on this. So we did, we did uh, put out to forestry for their, for their comments on this. They, they didn't get back to us, I believe, uh, before this briefing. Um, so I can't speak to what their plans are for their whole forest protection area. Um, but as Mr. McQuaid said, that. Uh, the majority of that area is within the forest protection area. But the white zone is it? The only zones that are not is, is the area around Manning, um, and then a very small part of the around the Lac Cardinal as well. The forest protection area comes right down to, to the boundary of the County Northern Lights. Um, so that is entirely within the forest protection area. So even all that agricultural land is yes. is under forestry. Yes, yes. So, awesome. um, so as putting in guards, if if um, you know, fires are not threatening other communities, then forestry will be the ones putting the guards in to protect the community, and then the structural will be doing the structural protection within the communities. So then would you see... If it is affecting those communities, then I, I would be a lot more involved in the command of that situation. Okay, so in terms of... So you see us centering the resources here and, and managing the structural protection component yeah. and then having forestry uh, basically trying to keep it out of our municipal boundaries. Yeah, like I, okay. in, in my opinion, I don't think the fire would get here. I mean, obviously, nothing is for certain. Um, and again, if the fire is getting closer to town, then I would all my resources would be here, and we would be 
So what about these, the, well, let's call them hamlets. And Weberville is really a hamlet, even if it isn't a ham, doesn't have that designation. What are your, given that you're the fire chief for the southern half of the county of Northern Lights, how are you going to manage, so there's going to be a demand from those residents that they get structural support. So how do we manage well, that? We wouldn't be the only suppliers. We, you know, we have one trailer and unlimited resources. <coughs> okay. This would be, we would be um, the same as it happened up north. Everything is a resource through through the park, through the Provincial Operations Center um, for resources from other parts of the province that are not affected by any fires. So um, there was an email, and the province has actually set up asset and resource lists of structural protection equipment that could be available for deployment to other parts of the con to the province. Um, so they would then we would have request resources, and then they would contact the agencies and provide. So, and again, if, if, if there was something affecting Peace River, then that would be my action. I would get the resources in. The same that uh, the fire chief in high level did, as the fire was approaching his, he put out that call and all the resources. So, if the fire breaks around Manning, do we, is that at the point in time that we would be looking for a unified command? I think that it would be more in line of where we were perceiving an imminent threat to the town itself. Uh, but so if it broke through Manning, I think the county and Northern Lights and your ECC would push for a unified command at that point. So because I would, because then it's an imminent threat to them. But our fire chief is also the chief of the southern half of the county yeah, and Northern Lights. Yeah, so, he, he would so probably we, be pulled into the ECC at that point. Uh, but it, you know, but the county of Northern Lakes would be uh, the one incident commander along with forestry would have the other incident commander to form that unified command with the structure within that. So, but you're right, our uh, Chief Harris could be pulled into the ECC at that point into, uh, into, the, into the structure. And we've become part of that unified command rather than waiting until it's looking at our boundaries, though. It, it, you could look at that like that, but... Uh, well, he's a, he's, he's a fire chief of the county of Northern Lines, yeah, Southern Half, and he's the fire chief of the town of Peace River. Yeah, but he's not, so, uh, like, he does, doesn't... Yeah, it, it's well, not, he's responsible for all those firefighting resources between the town of Peace River and the Southern Half of yeah, county of Northern Lights, and, and, yeah. and uh, there's an expectation from the county of Northern Lights because they bought into those those resources that yeah. those resources will be employed in the defense of their uh, their residences' uh, properties. So, so and I guess that's a, a good way to look at it. Is once there's uh, an imminent threat to the southern part of that, that's where we would get involved in the unified command at that point. Yeah, well, we'd, uh, and that's one of the reasons for having this meeting is we 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 need to know what the trigger points are and uh, and and what our commitments are to our neighbors, 
particularly those that pay for some of our uh, some of our bills. So um, yeah, certainly I my expectation I think would be that we'd be pulled into a unified command. Then I'd rather I'd rather be part of a unified command and work in an organized manner than have the fire looking at our boundaries and then go oh shit we need to have a unified command. Yeah, I mean, I am in communication with the dam for the canyon all the lights. Uh, I was talking to him today to get an update on the situation. I will be going out to Manning tomorrow for the morning briefing meeting um, and situation update. Um, and then that, that uh, if I have any more information from that, I can pass that on. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they're not going to. I'm not going to be involved, or they're not going to get me involved until it affects yeah. my my jurisdiction. Otherwise, they, they, it's too many, uh, yeah. too many chiefs. But your jurisdiction isn't just the town of Pitch River; it is not so. But it is prior, my priorities: the town of Pitch River, even being the regional fire chief, and then stated within that agreement, if there's a greater need or risk to the town of Pitch River, then that's where my right. priorities lie. That's that's really into that. But you uh, you do see that once we get into a serious situation, you'll have to call on other resources because you only have Absolutely. one trailer with structural. Uh, so yeah, there, there was no way this we would be doing any of this alone, such as the, the rest of the province. So. Yeah. All right. So, Questions for the rest of the council? Anyone on the phone? Um, questions from the gallery? Go ahead, yeah, Mayor, Mr. Valley. Yeah, Mayor Tarpey, I, I just want to confirm with uh, council that our main broadcast tower is now situated in Weberville, so we're a neighbor to the mill, and uh, I want to make sure that we're still deemed as an essential service to this. Uh, this community and part of the emergency plan. It's a little different than a uh, flood where we've got a temporary studio already set up at, at our Weberville site so we can move and be uh, operational fairly quickly. And if it's burning and we gotta go, we gotta go. But uh, we want to just make sure that you know that our broadcast tower is no longer situated just over here on the hill. It is in, in Weberville uh, near the mill. Well, that's the one at the intersection? Yes. 986 and uh, 686 or however it is. Uh, good. So one other. So we have. So a lot of your. Uh, so we rely on a volunteer fire department. They're generally employed by some of the larger uh, employers in the area who have their own emergency response teams. Um, a lot of these individuals serve not only on the town slash county uh, fire departments, but also s uh, serve on these emergency response teams. So um, what you can very well see there is going to be, there may very well be a, um, let's call it a conflict, where uh, 
person that signs the uh, the check that they put used to put rent on the table uh, is saying, hey, you're part of our emergency response team. We expect you to be at protecting our asset, and you're going, hey, you're you signed on to the, to the Peace River County and Northern Lights Fire Department team. So, have you given any thought to that particular conflict, <coughs> potential conflict? Let's just call it that way. Yeah, and I, it would be up to that individual, um, but their work does take priority over their volunteer activities. Um, if that takes away a significant amount of my resources, then I would enact some of the other mutual aid agreements with the other fire departments in the region. Well, the ones in the region, if we're we're talking about this worst case scenario with a fire. They're going to be involved in any, um, Well, and they'll be looking after their own. And we would be requesting resources from, from further away. From Fort Saskatchewan and Calgary and Edmonton, I guess. Even if we're not going through the Provincial Operations Center, um, the, the Northwest Emergency Resource Agreement that we signed on, yeah. with 22 municipalities um, going down as far south, I think even as the Lexington Act. Um, so that includes Cranberry and yeah. Okay. So there's, there's, I can call resources from any of those uh, partners uh, not affected by the current situation, even without being, you know, in declaring a soul and uh, going through the provincial operations, you know, if they have that ability as well. Yeah. So. And then uh, we're, but we're responsible for the financial, uh, the yeah. financial part that, yeah, and in other situations like this as the province covered off so if we're, we have to call those resources in a major situation are you would you be anticipating the province would be be able to uh, assist us in covering off those costs uh, I would expect so yeah yeah the current, I mean, the current fires up north are all in the forest protection area, so that is a responsibility of the province. Um, within the town itself, if there was a, you know, if started, uh, disaster started within the town and destroyed a large part of the town, then we would probably be going through disaster assistance recovery. For that. So, uh, in terms of Mr. Davies' concern plus comment, uh, Although we, one of the reasons why Autumn is here is that we, we know that communications is going to be a, play a big, big role if we ever get into a crisis situation. Letting people know what, um, and this is part of it, letting people know what's, what to expect as, as things evolve. Um, uh, and I guess all you can do is, is make the province aware since they're going to have primary responsibility in terms of fighting a wildfire breakthrough, such as the one I've described, uh, making them aware of the communication towers. So yeah, I, I've made a note of that, and I'll make sure that's identified as essential infrastructure uh, within the county plan. Yeah. Uh, the same for the situation was happening up towards high level. There was a, a TELUS um, 
facility that I think if, if it, they lost that, they would lose communications to the whole Northern Alberta and into the right. Northwest Territories. So. so we have a TELUS representative in the gallery. So do you want to comment on, on, the, on is, it, is that the primary reason you're here or as a private citizen? Uh, TELUS asked me to attend just to see um, what you guys are planning. Uh, <coughs> TELUS is playing a huge part up there. If you're going to respond, would you be able to grab a mic? The folks on the phone um, are not able to hear the questions from the gallery. Okay. Um, Telus has played a huge part in the high-level one. They're at risk of losing some cell sites up there. So they have to protect and we're having probably three meetings a day just over the wildfire because we have to protect our infrastructure up there. Um, and unfortunately, some of the cell sites that are up there, they're linked. So if one goes down, there's about two or three that will go down. So we've actually deployed a cow, which is a cell site on wheels up there so that we can continue to have some cell service up there. Um, some of their services have managed, so they're fiber, so we're actually taking the fiber and feeding it to some of the emergency sites. A lot of the evacuation centers, we've deployed um, smart hubs uh, and so that everybody can have internet service and as well as the cell phone service. So, so we're there supporting that way. There's people not sleeping. There's um, Our cell sites are running off generators, so we're Refueling them every five hours. So there's obviously lots of coordination that takes place, and that would include the ACO uh, natural gas lines that need to be protected. Okay. And um, so if we get to a worst case scenario and we need to evac, what, what is, do you, does family and family and social services, what kind of role do you play? besides closing out the evac center here. Tell us good to fix our sound system in here. Um, so that would be a coordinated effort through the province along with our director of emergency management. It isn't a specific ESS role. Um, People get Kenny cards before they leave town? No. Yeah, you have to wait. Um, yeah, that would be set up in advance, uh, assuming that we'd get advance notice. But I have to say, we've had nothing but positive comments from a lot of the folks that are working up in high level, because we're on the phone with them on a daily basis also, that they've done sort of everything right and moving people out sooner rather than later in advance of um, pending challenges. So they're doing things properly. It's working out well as in a relative term. How would you help the residents here in terms of evacuation and, and registering at other evacuation centers? We wouldn't necessarily be helping at registering it. Another community would receive us. So we, as an administrative emergency management team, would probably be here, situated within the community, managing 
whatever needed to be addressed, whether that was the evacuation and setting up transportation for those who don't have okay. it to get out, um, setting up the routes of where they would go. And again, a lot of this is coordinated with the provincial office, but we as a municipality would be the main hub um, and the, the authority would lie with us for those decision-making in coordination with the province. Um, what am I missing in terms of the evacuation piece? Well, you'd probably actually tell people where to go in terms of which evacuation. At least, at least even give them a bit of a choice. But nonetheless, you would probably say, okay, there's one in Grand Prairie, and that's at this location, and there's one in Edmonton at this location. And all of that would depend. And again, uh, a lot of that's coordinated with the province, and they would set up another community to receive us. We may not go to existing reception centers because they are a lot of them are maxed out. Grand Prairie is almost to capacity this week because um, they have stompede. I can't say that word. Um, stampede. <laughs> no, it, it's stompede in Grand Prairie. Oh, stompede. <laughs> Their version of stampede. So their hotel space is maxed. So we would not be directed there. We would be directed a further afield to another community that could receive 6,000 people. It might be two or three communities. It's where that part wouldn't necessarily be our call of where we go. The province would set the end up and we would direct people there once those decisions were made. But your expectation would probably be Edmonton then? Potentially, potentially White Court, um, Valley View. They're far afield out of the way in terms of any other um, pending any other fires that may come around uh, that whole corridor, Fox Creek. Well, at least they have the best washroom in all well, at least Yeah, I think Fox Creek is running up their tail. <coughs> okay. Okay. Any counselors have questions? Am I the only one who has questions? What about yes. people on the phone? Uh, no, I think uh, staff though is commended. <coughs> For their work and uh, their efforts. Well, I, I guess uh, I, I guess I'm a Boy Scout. I like to be prepared for getting in a situation. So, carry on. Okay, so carrying on. Uh, so the final topic for tonight is just planning for potential emerging emerging emergency situations, and especially when we get into kind of fluid situations uh, like we have. Uh, this month, uh, with alerts going off on our phones every night, and uh, and how do you adapt to that? So first of all, I just want to kind of recap some of the existing situations. So currently, uh, there are eight states of lo declared local emergencies uh, within the province. So Town of High Level, Mackenzie County, Benetah, First Nation, Paddle Prairie, Town County Northern Lights. MD of Opportunity and MD of Lesser Slave Lake, which was uh, this uh, went into effect uh, this morning. <coughs> so the current situation, mandatory evacuation orders are in effect for the Trout Lake area, which was this morning, uh, Town of High Level and Mackenzie County areas, Denita, Paddle Prairie, Keg River, Carcajou, Wabasca, and Hamlet of Martin Beach. So I'm going to ask another question. So uh, down, uh, Slave Lake was on a radar evac alert. Alert, so yes, that's correct. How, how would uh, 
So we have a, so you would imagine we have a least eight hours notice? Uh, we would, that's what we kind of anticipate is trying to give as advance notice as possible because that t tends to be uh, a crux of a lot of the issue that people are perceiving is not having enough time to plan that evacuation to pack up their mementos and, and pack up uh, uh, key items from their home before they actually get evacuated. So I think the, the key messaging around that is if we do go to an eight hours, okay, let people know that you know, this is your time to, to pack up those items, get your go bag ready to have in your vehicle. So if and when that time comes, you know, you're ready. And things like, you know, when you're on an hour notice to move, well, that's not the time to go out to the corner store and start stocking up. You know, that it's during that eight hour period. You know, that hour notice move, that's when you, you're making sure the kids are home from school and everybody's identified where, the, where they are and pets are ready to go and things like that. So trying to have, you know, that order of evacuation notice in a progressive manner. So that way when you do have to evacuate, it's in a more calm and collective manner. So Mr. House, you would actually expect it to be done sooner rather than later, because I get the impression with high level that while it was, certainly it was done well ahead of the game, um, I do avoid a Fort Max scenario where people are running gauntlet of fire, uh, but also I guess it helped help the, the, the structural firefighters set up. Uh, there were no distractions. They could focus in on the task. And, and that, it sounds like that was a key part of the, uh, well, it yeah. sounds like a winning scenario. Of the yeah, absolutely. Like the, uh, the time to evacuate is not <coughs> when the town is burning, um, such as with Slade like a Fort McMurray. Um, it should be done well ahead of that, so that's what a high level did. Um, and even those uh, communities are surrounded by the, the vegetation, yeah. uh, the spruce, the coniferous, where the fires will spread a lot faster, as was the case of the Chucker Creek fire when it when it took off two nights ago. Um, the fuel load there was a lot more. The fuel load around the town here is, is very different. The agricultural land um, fire will spread a lot slower, as well as through aspen type forests as well. I'm not saying it won't spread, but it, it's a lot slower. So. Um, I would envision a lot more notice than, than eight hours. And putting that alert out there, as Mr. Craig said, is, is a good way to get people prepared. Yeah. Um, and then they can't say they didn't know um, what was going to happen. So, Ms. Hume, do we have a package that, that would go out in terms of what people should be thinking about? So, I was, just, I was just thinking that next week I um, will look at that. We'll put out even possibly some. Uh, fire smarting information for people's residences to start working on. And also um, revisit the you know, 72 hour, be prepared, um, the kits and everything. That's, there's a lot of uh, information about that. We'll, we'll resend that out next week. Right. As, as this is a good time, a good learning time, if people are well aware of the situation. Um, along those lines, you brought up the situation where we, we had done control fire burns. Dispatch, go ahead. Sorry. Roger, is it 
has gone like a phone call. Mr. McQuaid, carry on. So uh, we'll carry on. Just looking at uh, kind of the weather outlook uh, for this week. Uh, so there again, we've got a fair bit of smoke uh, carrying through the area today, and but we're looking at, uh, as you'll see, I'll show you a smoke map in, in a minute, uh, but it uh, is on the, the clearing end, barring any new uh, fire activity in the local area. So, uh, and as uh, kind of looked at, just uh, one of the big impacts within town uh, last couple of days has been air quality. <laughs> And uh, as your worship noticed this morning, the air quality monitoring station was between 280 and 300 micrograms per cubic meter. And basically, it was that kind of whole strength all the way down that corridor through Fairview down to Grand Prairie was about that similar strength. And, and with that, you know, we're looking at if you had to peg it to an air quality health index number, we're looking at uh, 10 plus figure just for that. So along with that, uh, we have taken steps to, you know, issue an air quality sta uh, statement uh, throughout the town, just kind of encouraging people to minimize their activity levels uh, where possible. Uh, so as I mentioned, barring any new fires, the current model is just clearing towards the end of day tomorrow. And so here we can see what the current smoke map uh, is showing here. Uh, so Grimshaw, Peace River being about the middle of the map, uh, and Slave Lake, uh, obviously fairly heavy in the existing uh, smoke area down below. And that dark brown area, that's uh, probably about uh, 300 uh, micrograms per cubic meter. That's what that, that density is down there. Uh, this whole, uh, it is shifting towards the east right now and is going into a clearing trend throughout town. <coughs> so looking at highway closures uh, around high level, Highway 35, uh, north of Zama City turnoff uh, is closed. Uh, and then five kilometers south of high level uh, is closed towards uh, Keg River. Uh, highway 35 is open to emergency essential commercial traffic only. Uh, Highway 697 between Highway 35 and Ranger 185 Tiller Creek Ferry is closed. Highway 692 near Hawk Hills. Highway 695 east and west including Key River. Uh, highway 754 from Highway 88 to Wabasca. And Highway 58 from High Level to Range Road 45A south to Chate Corner. Uh, so that uh, portion is closed through there, and then the creek ferry itself is closed at the moment. And that's uh, so about an hour ago. Chicago Forestry Road is also closed. Yes, and, and Chin, Rock, Chin Road is closed. So uh, one of the questions came up, and we've been kind of talking about this uh, throughout the presentation tonight about uh, you know just what happens if we have to, to mobilize uh, here in town. So one of the key things in there is when to know when to declare a state of local emergency. So the key questions around there is when uh, is a state of local emergency issued, who approves the state of local emergency, and who issues the state of local emergency. 
Well, the answer kind of comes from uh, <coughs> the Emergency Management Act and the Emergency Management Regulation. And so to declare a state of local emergency, the local authority being town council and director of uh, emergency management uh, would be satisfied that an emergency exists or may exist in its municipality. Uh, and they would do this by resolution or in the case the minister responsible for the municipal government act, the minister responsible for the special areas act or parks of a national park may also make that order as well. So a declaration of state of local emergency under subsection one must identify the nature of the emergency and the area of the municipality of which it exists. Immediately after making of a resolution for a declaration of state of local emergency, the local authority shall cause the details of the declaration to be published by any means of uh, available communication. And usually what would happen is we would go through, put that on our website. Uh, we would go and put that through uh, the province and the province would then take that and issue an emergency alert uh, through that uh, means there. We can also issue an emergency alert. What's, we can also issue an emergency alert. And, and that's correct. And we can also issue an emergency alert. But usually we would uh, kind of uh, be in contact with the province at that point because part of the emergency alert is you know, defining where the evacuation points are as well. So we would uh, want to, to look at that as part of that state of local emergency. So part one is you know identifying the emergency and getting that out there and then getting the information to the people, okay, well, how do, how do they react? So giving them routes of evacuation, where they're going to evacuate to, uh, those type of items. Like the actual Edmonton Valley View, Fox Creek. That's correct. Okay. What reception centers are going to receive them? Okay. That was sort of my question. So along with this, uh, so once that is in place and uh, so the local authority appoints a person to act as the director of emergency management and usually it's a model ahead time and, and for the town it is, uh, we've already designated that the CAO is the, the director of emergency management or their designate. Uh, so for this week I'm, I'm the director of emergency management for this week. So the next steps, you know, uh, and this can happen whether you de declare the state of local mercy or not. You can still uh, go through the ICS system if uh, you figure that the incident is, is low enough in criticality that you don't need to declare a state of local mercy. Uh, you can still follow the ICS model and stand up mercy coordination center or ECC. But typically, this is what would happen after we've established that state of local emergency. We're going to stand up an ECC. Uh, and uh, right now, the primary location is the town hall, and the alternate location is the Peace Regional Airport Terminal building. So, depending upon you know where the emergency was in town, so if you had if you had fires burning through downtown, obviously we're going to move to the airport and have our ECC there. Well, the helicopter fire bases up there, but you get immediate communication for that, I imagine. <laughs> so at that point, the director of emergency management is also going to designate the incident commander uh, for that incident. And with senior staff, 
So we're going to immediately review the priorities, the problems, the objectives, the strategies, and the tactics. And with that, and what happens is this becomes kind of a circular affair, just going and identifying these areas, uh, going through a planning session, and then coming up with an action plan. And after the action plan is developed, and that is where you're actually identifying operational resources and assignments, and may include attachments that may provide additional direction, then we're going to have an operational briefing uh, with all key staff, and then that staff would then execute the plan, and then the process starts over as strategies and tactics are reviewed. So, and this would, you know, for your initial steps, you know, these tend to be fairly quick, getting the initial pieces in place. Uh, so your initial objective may be, well, I need to evacuate the plant or evacuate the town. So you're going to put, do the planning, and come up with a plan to evacuate the town, and then put and then implement. So it's kind of a circular process. So go go to the screen the. The slide before this one. So, yep. Okay. But you you must have one that needs written up uh, on the top of your head, Mr. Harris, in terms of how we. And I guess this is really why we why we have this meeting. So in terms of, and go to the next slide, the the, 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 the one, yeah. So you. So a lot of this you must have a, at least you're thinking about already, right? Yeah, I mean, if, if we require to do an evacuation, then, then the municipal emergency plan has has plans for evacuation in there. Um, it's it's not each evacuation is going to be different depending on where the incident is and, and how you do your evacuation. But in terms of this particular scenario, we probably have a pretty good idea. Yeah. Right there. Yeah, and then and then this is all following the ICS uh, training, um, as Mr. McQuaid was talking about. Um, basically, if anyone has done ICS, the planning piece. Uh, this is a is a road is a roadmap to to get to you to an action plan. So even though that uh, you know a lot of this you may have thought about beforehand, you still go through the steps. Uh, and make sure you go through all those steps. Well, I, I'd like to not think that we're thinking about this beforehand. I'm, yeah. I'm a little worried that we won't have thought about this over beforehand and already get into this planning stuff. So um, I'd, I'd like to think that staff is st staff could sketch one out right now if they needed to. So. Okay. It could be sketchy. You know, it's, like I said, a lot of these things, you know, we do think of different scenarios. But when it actually comes to that particular scenario, you still go through your steps. And some of those steps fall into place relatively quickly at that point. But you're still going to go through that step. Yeah, I don't know if I'm a real believer in that system. But anyhow, go ahead. Yeah. So, uh, and then. Uh, one of the other things that we're going to be doing at this point, too, is start to fill in our organizational chart within the ECC. So this is identifying key individuals, uh, like your incident commander, your liaison officer, safety officer, information officer, and then selecting your operation chief, your planning chief, your 
logistics chief and the finance admin section chief. Now, all of these boxes may not be filled. Normally, it's modular, and you're only going to use what you need for that particular incident. Uh, now, just to kind of relate something, uh, when I was working the Kelowna wildfire in 2004, and uh, at that point I was still uh, I was acting uh, as the operation officer with the Canadian military contingent to, uh, committed to that fire, and I didn't realize until I actually took the ICS course that we were actually using the ICS model, and so but we did use it during that incident, and it worked very well, and worked doing an, uh, a unified command situation for that one. So uh, fairly familiar with the system, worked it, and it does work. So, so before Mr. Harris gets another uh, phone call, um, so we had somewhat touched on, on this, on the whole fire smart stuff, and, be prepared for this kind of wildfire scenario. So you mentioned uh, we've already started our program of control burns. But there's some private lands out there that we don't have access to that really should have control burns. Uh, is there a way and method of, uh, of pushing that, basically? Uh, Getting those private landowners to to go to do control burns and and do we now have the time and re resources to do those control burns that we on these particular lands that we we would have liked to have got to but we never got to or are unable to get so. Doing the control burns in a non-invasion time, if we weren't in this situation, um, doing control burns on, on private land um, is something that would have to be legally looked into. The, a lot of it's, it's liability and um, you know, justification. Uh, doing control burns right now in this current situation will not happen. Okay. Um, the control burns that they have done on the current fires that they did up by a high level, um, you know, are done by forestry and a huge amount of resources. So if I went and did a control burn right now, I would get, uh, um, I wouldn't have a job anymore. <laughs> um, and then again, once the soul has been declared, then it does give us the powers to do that. And then we could go on any land, we can enter any, I can do anything pretty well I want um, once yeah. that's always been declared to prevent, you know, or reduce property damage, life, fatal yeah. life, that kind of stuff. So, um, the burning on private lands is something that I, I really need to look into more because it's, we say people, they can't start a fire on their own land. Um, yeah. But then if we start doing Burns on private land, everybody wants the private land burn. Uh, and then it's like, why did you do it for him? And why did you? Then I want my land burn. I want this patch behind my yard burn. So we, we it opens up a larger uh, box of. But we want to fire <coughs> ourselves, though, too, right? So. 
So I realize that that's an issue that we need to park for the time being. But what about uh, already uh, uh, doing some of this assessment in terms of structural uh, structural protection? Uh, so what I what I'm doing, and I was uh, I was just down at the Alberta Fire Chiefs Conference and talking to uh, people from uh, Free Average Forest Resource Something Association. Yeah. Um, we have grants available, um, and then also I was talking to a lady from. Forestry, and then they have a pot of money, and they're like pleading, give me something to spend it on. Um, so I will be pursuing getting grants to basically employ some uh, consultants to come up and do assessments. So they would look at the town, look at the infrastructure, look at our high-risk areas, um, you know, and basically have a plan. Once you have a plan of high-risk areas and the measures that are needed to that, then you can apply for more grant funding to get some of those mitigation measures. Well, that's the kind of stuff I'd like to hear because I, I, I prefer to hear that we're doing something like that now, um, grant or no grant, because uh, wait, waiting until you set up an incident command center and filling out some boxes with people's names and it is not, not yeah. my idea of being prepared. Uh, and, I, and I get the impression it isn't yours either, so we, we need that. Um, and I guess, but is there anything we can do in the, in the, in the meantime, uh, assuming a worst case scenario where we can already start thinking about how we would set up these the, the structural protection measures and so that is something I did um, with, with some of your questions today. Um, I will start doing because uh, Chief Schmidt in high level had a sprinkler plan yeah. for his town. He had it beforehand. Yeah, but he's actually the provincial uh, structural protection uh, specialist, okay. um, and he's been working with this uh, wildland urban interface or WUI uh, operations for many years, and I mean he's a, a key person in the province for that. So he had a plan for his town, and because he's been, town has been threatened several times before over the last few years, um, at the same time the Fort McMurray was going on, um, they were threatened down the year after that, I believe. Um, so he's at least in place. Um, so that will be something I will start looking at. Our town geographically is very different and very, right. does create a lot of challenges to protect it. Um, but we do have the advantage of different vegetation and um, other factors, so that is something else I will start looking at. Um, again, so we have some idea, of, and I'll do that next week with uh, with my staff. And there's what areas are high risk in our eyes, and um, where would we start setting up protection for that. Doing that along with some public education on how people can protect their own homes from catching on fire from members falling from from the sky um, would be a good move at this point. Yeah, I'm a little surprised that forestry is talking about uh, all. They want someone to get involved because we've asked them here several times, and they come and they show up, but they never tell us that they're looking for uh, for communities to kick off these programs for them, and <coughs> and, and even, even to the point that they're willing to bribe them with grants. So that's the first time I we they they have been. Doing it for a while. Um, I have applied for grants for the the Canada Northern Lights in the past for an education 
uh, piece around fire smart. Um, and then you know, my next step again will be for the county, those areas I'm responsible for would be getting those assessments done on where we're building things to build. Um, it's just another another thing to get off my desk. Are you finished, Mr. McQuaid? Yes, I am, Your Worships. And just looking for questions. Uh, not a question, Your Worship, but I know uh, Mr. Harris is probably aware of this, but just to let Council know, um, uh, our peace officer is out in the community running around and uh, has been taking photographs of certain properties that are, I can use the word derelict because they're overgrown with, uh, with weeds and they're all dry and where there's potential hazards and he is sending out letters to those property owners to get cleaned up. Uh, anyone on the phone? Well, are you all asleep there, or uh, I know that it's probably 10 o'clock in Quebec City, but uh, from the gallery, any concerns you want to express, comments you want to make? So, so if I could summarize it, uh, so you view the risk of, of, uh, of a wildfire the wildfire uh, making an end run around Manning or breaking through Manning is low, partly because it's, the fire is entering the white zone. Uh, the fuel load is going to be quite different. Um, and and so, and so the risk the risk of this fire getting to the town of Peace River is, is, is very low. I guess we can't ever rule it out as as, as zero, um, and and the expect uh, should the fire cross into cross past the the town of Manning, we are still in uh, an Alberta forest fighting zone. So the primary uh, the the organization that's primarily responsible for fighting that fire is forestry. Um, not so much the county of either the county or ourselves, but there would be an expectation that once it gets into the southern half of of uh, the county of Northern Lights, is that uh, there would uh, there would be a unified command established, and uh, and given that the county of Northern Lights, uh, since you're the fire chief of the county of Northern Lights. The, we sh we would be part of that unified command. Yeah. Yeah. And um, but then be, you being there would be able to coordinate Peace River's resources with the resources both of the forest department as well as uh, as well as the county. Um, I suppose Grimshaw would get involved too. Then would they? Or you're not sure? Uh, they would be identified as a resource and uh, requested okay. whether they participate is up to. So, and how do you? So, you've got we've got the Chuck Egg fire. Uh, you got two major industries up there, uh, Norboard and Toco. How do their resources get integrated into these uh, these wildfire uh, scenarios? Or do you know? And, and, I, and 
I, I suppose that's where the unified command will sort that out. Or... Yeah, I mean, any resources that they have available, I mean, obviously, if it's protecting their own structures, property, um, that's there would be, be tied up. But if they had, if they weren't in a threat and they had resources available to assist, then that would be identified through the ECC and as would be listed as another resource. But you're also the, since it's, it would become a state of local emergency, you as the fire chief or, or the unif or the unified com the commander of the unified uh, organization would be able has the right to commandeer those resources. Yeah. Or she. Yeah. Yeah, they, it's the commander. So they, they, they then take. So so I'm obviously thinking of a situation like Mercer Pulp. So so that the the unified commander. Uh, so you have a major industry. They obviously want to protect their assets. So, uh, but the decisions on uh, how that fire is fought, whether people can 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 make a fire stand at their property, all that is determined by the by the commander, the unified commander. Yeah, and in the planning stages of the main, they would be looking at critical infrastructure, which um, okay, um, um, so obviously residences and industry within an area is, is critical. So um, Manning uh, diversified products, well, West Fraser, I believe it is, Northern yeah, Manning. Right. Um, so the the actual divisions that have been set up for that Battle uh, River <coughs> complex. Um, you know, they have uh, four divisions that forestry, you know, how they divided up their resources. Um, and, you know, north, south, I think west, and the, the mill. The mill has been identified as, you know, requiring a lot of resources. So that is almost set up as its own division. Um, so, you know, if uh, a fire burning through the, the forest, if nothing, critical value apart from the trees which do have a value but I mean that's where they don't concentrate on they concentrate on on the values so both the high level fire and the manning fire they've been concentrating on the east flanks which is where the, the town of high level was um, the town of manning the manning diversified that kind of thing and most of those fires apart from this week headed off to the northwest where there wasn't any um, structures identified or values and that's all part of that planning is, is, is looking at where the fire's going, what's in its way, what needs to be protected, and then the resources are put into those accordingly to prioritize. And so, so along those lines of being in a low risk area, your expectation is that we will have uh, certainly any evac notice will be issued minimum eight hours and probably even even before people will be made well aware of potential uh, to evacuate well before that. Yeah, because the main reason why there's not enough time is is, is the wind and the, the speed at which that fire is traveling towards uh, that town, or such as in Slave Lake. I mean, the fire burned for a few days, it wasn't an issue, and then the wind changed and it, and it picked up to 100 
kilometres an hour and just blew straight in the same as Fulton and Mary. So, um, you know, there's a fire within an area and they look at the forecast modelling of, of the winds and the climate and uh, over the next few days and if there's a chance that it could happen, then and now, this is how it works now, we would be given that information and then we would make the decision whether to issue that evacuation alert um, just to put people on the ready. This is the biggest uh, issue people have is when they are evacuated, if they start evacuation order and they didn't have time to, to get all their possessions, um, that's when people are the most upset. <laughs> Well, maybe here he comes. <laughs> so, that was just uh, wildfire battle prey has increased in intensity in all persons in the Keg River area. Must uh, immediately evacuate to the south of Highway 35 to Manning, Keg River, Carcachu, and everyone in northern north area of County Northern Lights, south to 922, order to evacuate May 29th, and that order is still effect. Well, that just underscores uh, some of the reasons that we want to have this meeting, so we uh, have an idea of of uh, where we're going to go and how the communications plan is going to work and uh, um, so I'll, uh, I'll let people get going here and we'll uh, uh, we'll just I've given everybody an opportunity to ask questions and uh, we'll close it off we'll adjourn perhaps motion to adjourn okay uh, meeting is adjourned